Let us join our hearts in prayer. Lord God, so often we are busy with many things in life that do not give us rest. Help us to hear your word today and give us confidence to find rest in you at all times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God's grace and mercy belong to each one of you. Through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you have peace. Amen. Our sermon is based on our gospel lesson for today. We're going to read just the last two verses of 27 and 28. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us through this truth so that we may rest in your word alone. Your word is truth. Amen. Dear believers in Christ, have you gotten enough rest lately? And many would say, don't you know it's summer? Don't you know of all the activities we have going on? There's the sports, there's the travel, there's camping, there's family gatherings, there's been graduations, there's weddings coming up, and there's so much more. Who has time for rest? Now you have to wonder if Jesus' disciples didn't have the same kind of mindset as they were trying to follow along with Jesus in his very hectic schedule always moving from one place to the next, looking for the lost and the lonely among all of the people to give them hope. That's one of the reasons that God had established the Sabbath laws of the Old Testament, to help people really to rest. Unfortunately, over the years, the Jews, some of the Jews had added many other kinds of laws to the Sabbath, which then made it a burden and people did not have the hope of rest with God. That's why one of the reasons God sent his son, so that he could bring people back to God and to the rest that he could provide. We have as our theme today that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And the first thing to think about is that, is that Jesus that the Sabbath really brings us to Jesus, really helps lead us to him. If you were to ask the Pharisees that question, does the Sabbath lead us to Jesus? They would say, absolutely not. Who were these Pharisees? Well, they were highly respected Jewish people, many of them leaders of their community. They had taken a stand as the foreigners had come in and taken over the government, and now they were trying to introduce false gods. They were trying to uh, do practices that were wicked, and the Pharisees said, no, we're not going to let this happen, and at first, it was pretty good. They said, just stay with the word, but they, they themselves didn't stay with the word. They began to add all these extra laws, and then they would use the laws in an improper way. You ever use a law like a telescope? And by that, I mean as the Pharisees looked out at the sins of other people, they would take the, the telescope and they, through the small lens and see this great big sin. Now, when it came to apply the law to themselves, they reversed the telescope, and as they looked through, they saw, oh yeah, there's those little tiny sins that we have, but we're really not all that bad. 
they assured themselves that they could be accepted by God simply by following the Sabbath rules and the traditions. And as long as everybody agreed with them, why, they were pretty much at peace. But then out of love, along God sends John the baptizer, who begins to preach about true Christian or true believers, and it isn't just a, a matter of outward appearance and action. He called these Pharisees unclean sinners who needed to repent of their conceit and return to God in heart and in life. Worse yet for these Pharisees, Jesus appears, and he's doing powerful miracles in the name of God, and he is speaking with God's authority, challenging their man-made self-righteousness. You may wonder why I'm talking so much about the Pharisees. It's because every single day we have to fight a Pharisee. See, Martin Luther wrote very well when he said, there's a little bit of Pharisee in each one of us. What if Jesus were alive today? Would it be easy for us to follow him? Or as he's going through his teachings, does he have to stop and say, now wait, look what you're doing, you're misusing the law, you're not understanding. How many times would he have to say that each day? to every one of us, to our shame. No, by nature, uh, we too want to use God's law, or misuse God's law, really, saying, hey, if we follow God's law, if we follow the traditions that we have in life, and and, and just keep doing these good things that we're doing, we can claim a place with God. We too can, can really impress him. But God reminds us in his word in James chapter 5 that even if we were able to keep the entire law, even if we only broke it in one way, we would be guilty of breaking it all. And Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the experts of the law, you will never enter the kingdom of God. That's serious. We need God's word to help us fight against this sinful, pharisaic attitude. Let it remind us that our relationship with God is established in Christ and by his grace alone, not by our works. Also, again, we're reminded in our verses that God gave the Sabbath because he loved his people. Jesus said in verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. But the Pharisees were using that law to hurt people, to burden them. Jesus opposed the Pharisees' loveless use of God's laws. And so immediately they tried to find fault with him. When they couldn't find it with him, they found it with their disciples, his disciples. They were walking once again from one place to another, even on the Sabbath, which was allowable a certain distance. And they were picking grains in the field that they were walking through and eating it. It's probably the only food they had all day. But the Pharisees immediately said, look what they're doing, they're harvesting on the Sabbath. 
those people just did not have mercy for the disciples. So Jesus tried to help them understand the motive of love by giving the example of David before uh, he was king. He was fleeing from King Saul, who was seeking to kill him. He was hungry, and he really needed food if he was to continue his journey, he and those with him. So he asked the high priest to feed him food, bread, that was only intended for the priests. And the priest did. Now the Pharisees would have said, yep, this was okay, because after all, David was a very important person. But they didn't extend that kindness to people whom they considered beneath them. We must be careful, too, that we are not biased as we show loving concern to people around us. As the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus was concerned about all people, about their needs of the body and of the soul. Many times as his disciples traveled, they were surrounded by so many people, it says that they didn't even have time to eat. It was difficult to be a follower of Jesus. And yet, somehow, he always would provide for them, whether it be grains ripe and ready to eat along the road, or whether he ended up feeding 5,000 people so that there would be 12 baskets left over for his 12. In all that he said and did, they saw his love in action. And as we walk through life, our hearts need to see that same love caring for us. And one big reason is because Jesus gave us a, a conscience. I recalled as I was working on this something that happened to me when I was five years old. We lived in Southern California, where I grew up. And one day I was outside, and I didn't have a rubber ball or anything but I found a nice big round rock, and I thought, wouldn't it be fun to throw this up on the roof and have it roll down? Children do not do this at home. And I thought, yep, I'll do it. I'm five, after all. I'm pretty strong. And I threw it up. Didn't make the roof, but it did make my bedroom window. Crashed right through it. Immediately, my mother said, go to your room, sit in this chair which is looking at the broken window and wait until your father comes home. Now, normally, sitting in a quiet room in a chair would be a restful situation. But this was not a restful situation at all because I knew I was in serious trouble. On a more serious note, God gave David a conscience as well. And in a much worse situation, he'd committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had her husband purposely killed in battle. And later he wrote in Psalm 32, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away as I groaned all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. That unrest of conscience is in everyone but it is especially burdensome to those who do not confess their sins to God. And visible works just try to mask it, but they never take it away. 
The book of Hebrews warns people that if all they think all they need is an outward appearance of godliness, they are so far mistaken. It says if you don't have faith, you will never enter God's rest. And some time ago, we were studying the book of Revelation here in Bible class, and and there's a verse that struck my thoughts as uh, was they already thinking about this sermon. In Revelation 14, it describes the judgment of all who reject God's saving grace in favor of their own works. It says the smoke of their torment is going to rise forever and ever. They're going to have no rest day and night. May God keep us from such judgment. That's why, secondly, we are so thankful that Jesus, only Jesus, can give us the true rest we need. Getting back to my story of the broken window, I did have to pay. I I don't know, my allowance was probably like a nickel a week. And my dad said, you're going to pay for that window that I have to replace. Uh, you know, using your allowance. So I didn't have allowance for a long, long time. But when we think of all the sins that we've committed against God, there is no payment big enough that we could make to cover any of those sins. The Pharisees tried. They said, we're going to follow the law, we're going to do all these things, but they failed. Isaiah had it right in chapter 30 when he talked about what it meant to really keep the Sabbath. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and in trust is your strength. We find rest when we, by faith, humbly look to the Lord, admit our sin, and receive God's full and free forgiveness in Christ. After David repented of his sins, this is what he wrote. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my guilt. I said, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of all my sin. How wonderful David could finally go to sleep at night in a restful peace. God provided our true rest by sending his Son for us as Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus kept the Sabbath. How did he do that? By keeping all those rules and regulations? No, he did it by his love for God and God's word and by caring for others in need on that day. And so he provided food often for his hungry disciples even if it was on the Sabbath day. On the Sabbath day, he healed those who had diseases or demon possession or blindness. And he clearly offered them the forgiveness of all their sins. You see, his righteousness exceeded that of the Pharisees to perfection. God accepted the perfect life of his son. But that wasn't the end of his plan of salvation. You know what it was. Jesus was arrested and tried for claiming to be the Son of God and condemned. And so he was crucified. And while he hung on that cross, he suffered the torments of hell, that terrible feeling of absolute loneliness, of total unrest, 
And even though it was only a few hours on the cross, it was forever for him. And then he died after saying, it is finished. And with that, the payment was made. And then Jesus did something amazing. In God's sight, he took all of our sins away and he replaced them with his perfect life so that now, even if God were to create the greatest and largest telescope ever, he would search the universe and would not find one of our sins. They are completely removed by Jesus and all he would see is Jesus' perfect life when he looks at us as we trust in Jesus. And Jesus' resurrection assures us of eternal life and of God's peace with us forever. Every day, we should thank God for the forgiveness that he, Jesus offers to us through word, and today, once again, through the Holy Sacrament. We remember Martin Luther's statement about the third article, his explanation, you know, keep the Sabbath day or the day of rest holy. We should fear and love God. We do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. In life so often, our hearts can get troubled. But Jesus calls out to us through his word, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. What does that mean? It means trust in him. And learn from me, he said, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I'll ask the opening question that I, that I had at the beginning of the sermon. If you remember what it was, have you gotten enough rest lately? Now, I'm not talking about your activities anymore. I'm talking about you and your Savior and I want every one of you in your heart to say, yes, I have Jesus. I know he's forgiven my sins. I understand from the law that I'm a sinner, but I understand from the gospel that he has taken those sins completely away. And now you and I can support that wonderful gospel ministry so that more and more people around the world can know there is a way to find rest in Christ. What news we have to believe and to tell the world about the Lord of the Sabbath. He has forgiven our sins. We believe it and have rest in him now and forever. Amen. And now, the peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.